This podcast is brought to you by the Village of Bedford Park, your home for business. Over 450 businesses strong and growing with a safe, reliable Lake Michigan water supply. Visit VOBPBiz.com and bring your business home to the Village of Bedford Park. Temp check. What kind of summer are we having this year? A family road trip summer, a beach bum summer, or a wake me when the sun sets summer? With Instacart, choose your own adventure and skip the shopping side quests. Where available, you can get ice cream delivered to your hotel, sunscreen to the pool, or cold brew to your bed. Well, door, in as fast as 30 minutes. Wherever you find yourself this summer, you can get the goods. Download Instacart for free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. Minimum $10 per order. Excludes restaurants. Additional terms and fees apply. Now, the WBBM Noon Business Hour. It's 12.03 on Tuesday afternoon, Valentine's Day, February 14th. Thanks for choo-choo choosing us this afternoon for your Valentine's Day business information. War of the Chatbots getting some new combatants. We'll get an update in our next segment. But right now, the latest measure of inflation, the Consumer Price Index for January, is out today. We're joined by David Jones, who is the chairman of DMJ Advisors in Denver, Colorado, author of the book Understanding Central Banking. David, thanks for joining us today. And walk us through the January CPI report, which, while on the one hand, the, one might say the trend is still your friend, it's frustrating if you were looking for another decline month over month. January CPI uh, up 6.4% year over year. That compares to December's number of 6.5%. So we can say inflation is coming down, but only very slowly. And I think that's going to force the Fed's hand Uh, They've got to keep raising rates uh, probably to a higher level and keep them there longer in order to finally win that inflation battle. And this just adds more uh, fuel to the fire. It kind of bolsters the argument made by Fed Chair Jay Powell last week that while things are definitely looking up, the fight against inflation is not over. If you are a member of the Open Market Committee and you are looking at this January CPI number, uh, do you still talk about 25 basis point or a quarter of a percentage point increase going forward? Or do you go back up to uh, maybe half a point? Well, I think at the very least, uh, you actually took the words out of my mouth, at the very least, we've got to go up a quarter percentage point. I would say in March, again, at the May Fed meeting, and most likely at the June Fed meeting, that would bring us up into the five and a quarter to five and a half range for the Fed's target. Um, That's higher than earlier expected, but I think that's absolutely necessary Inflation has come down significantly in the goods area, but it's still very high in the services sector, and that's where it's toughest to get inflation down um, for all those services which make up more than half of the inflation story. And at the same time, uh, you could have uh, made an easy prediction to probably take the over on the January CPI just based on the uh, price of gas alone. Energy prices ticked up a little bit in the month of January. So it's this, this may be frustrating, but by no means it's a surprise. That's exactly right. Uh, you were You had to prepare yourself for a number that did not come down as much as people in the bond market had hoped. You know, we had that debate between the Fed, who said inflation is coming down, but only slowly, and the bond market participants, who earlier on had been saying 
inflation would come down fast. Uh, the bond market is backing those interest rates up now, recognizing that the Fed has certainly been right on that January CPI number. And uh, once again, markets are having a little bit about face because uh, another member of what you call the Open Mouth Committee is uh, saying that uh, they're not done yet with raising rates, but uh, the end is in sight. Yeah, I'm not sure they can say that uh, with a lot of confidence. Remember, they're trying to get that inflation rate down to 2%. That's that looks like a very low number compared to 6.4%. Uh, if you, again, take inflation year over year in our latest figures. So the Fed still has a long way to go, and I don't think they can hope for a end to those rate hikes anytime soon. David Jones, chairman, DMJ Advisors in Denver, Colorado, author of the book Understanding Central Banking. Thanks for helping us understand central banking today. Coming up, competition heating up for the AI-powered chatbot. The only program dedicated to currency events. You're listening to the WBBM Noon Business Hour. Chinese technology giants are announcing their intentions to launch chat GPT-style products powered by artificial intelligence. Let's discuss the explosion in growth with Andrew Bush, former chief markets intelligence officer at the Commodity Futures Trading Commission, economist at andrewbush.com, the resident futurist. Andy, thanks for joining us today. And it, in some respects, it should not be a surprise that uh, the battle over AI chatbots is now going worldwide. No, this is something that's been going on for some time and this, you know, arms race in AI uh, has been going on for at least a decade. Uh, this is something that there's been some great books out on it. Uh, Superpower AI, AI Superpowers uh, is a good one. That was about five years ago predicting this, but uh, ChatGPT was the first one to market. So they're the first mover, but everybody's into the AI GPT uh, gold rush here. There are some political considerations, of course. Uh, ChatGPT operates, and and other AI applications uh, jet, draw on all of the information available on the internet to uh, create answers to questions that you give it. And uh, China does heavily censor the internet, but uh, there's a possibility the AI application uh, could find the way around the walls of censorship. Yeah, it's already operating on a couple of different websites, um, kind of on a tertiary level, meaning this, you know, one or two times removed. People are using it to answer questions already um, through their websites. But it's fascinating to see that both Baidu and Tencent are going to roll out something probably more limited and more targeted to certain industries like either financial services or retail uh, but this is raising, of course, the hackles of Chinese regulators who want to make sure that the Great Wall of China, you know, keeps out anything that that criticizes the government. So it's going to be very difficult for their uh, particular AI to work as well as the ones that are outside of China. And then uh, we've been talking about this as, uh, at first, a uh, productivity application. And what are some of the ways uh, that uh, this chatbot could make the Chinese economy more productive. Yeah, I mean, it's just efficiency right away when you think about it. I mean, there's wide ranges of applications on this. Um, the na uh, natural language processing is really important. That's one of the things about chat GPT that's fantastic is that it's super fluent in a lot of languages, including um, uh, China, uh, you know, Mandarin and uh, whatever language that you want to get on there. 
Um, so in that sense, it's really great. Um, financial services, you, know, you can ask a lot of questions. It just asks, it, it just acts as a resource for people. It can also generate text for either ads or for emails or for research that you want to put out there on a frequent basis. It can also digest a lot of information, uh, take in a lot of parameters uh, to give you path forward on maybe new marketing ideas and things like that. So um, it's just, it's a, it, the reason why they call it GPT is a general purpose technology. And that's truly uh, the case in this, in, in, in this instance, because you're taking in ChatGPT's case, 175 billion parameters of a model and applying it to whatever problem you want to throw at it. And that's what's really exciting about this technology overall. Andrew Bush, futurist and economist at andrewbush.com, based in Chicago. Thank you for joining us today. Coming up next, the NBA could be heading back to a former longtime home. Temp check. What kind of summer are we having this year? A family road trip summer, a beach bum summer, or a wake me when the sun sets summer? With Instacart, choose your own adventure and skip the shopping side quests. Where available, you can get ice cream delivered to your hotel, sunscreen to the pool, or cold brew to your bed. Well, door, in as fast as 30 minutes. Wherever you find yourself this summer, you can get the goods. Download Instacart for free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. Minimum $10 per order. Excludes restaurants. Additional terms and fees apply. Cue up John Tesh and Round Ball Rock. The NBA on NBC could be making a comeback after a 20-year absence. The network is reportedly looking to make a run at the league following uh, once they left in 2002. We welcome in Tim Hanlon, founder and CEO of the Vertair Group based in Chicago. Tim, thanks for joining us today. Who The negotiations for the NBA package won't even begin until 2024, but it seems the two big winners so far just based based on the competitors in the field, are the NBA and uh, children of the 90s like myself who grew up with the NBA on NBC. I mean, that was where Michael Jordan uh, did all of his magical stuff. Well, the third one actually is John Tesh because yes. the uh, licensing rights, right, to Ramball Rock for sure, which uh, certainly evokes exactly all those memories that you're talking about. Um so, look, this is, uh, this is uh, born from, uh, a, let's call it a trial balloon, uh, in the trade press that uh, NBC and NBC Universal, its parent company, uh, are you know, at least publicly trying to say that uh, they would be interested uh, in the rights. Now, you mentioned 2024. Um, the current rights owners for NBA games are Disney via ESPN. And Warner Brothers Discovery, which uh, now owns TNT, uh, which broadcasts games on a, a biweekly uh, or twice a week uh, basis as well as playoffs. And those are both basically up for grabs. And it's never too early uh, in this world of sports rights that are increasingly more valuable uh, live in the face of everything else being streaming or on demand. Um, and it's uh, probably a very small group of entities, the NFL, certainly soccer, and the NBA that have sort of these gigantic international uh, value to them. So this is probably one of the very uh, few crown jewels that there are in sports. And um, I think essentially that uh, you're going to see some, some jockeying for such. But, you know, Warner Brothers Discovery is, is cutting costs. 
there is a, a seeming lack of appetite uh, to pay too much for live streaming rights, despite um, this gigantic conglomerate. And uh, Disney, you know, with ESPN, obviously just restructured, uh, although they're doubling down on sports. So I don't think either of these two are going to go away that quickly. I would argue if anyone is probably going to be weakest in uh, perhaps their initial interest is probably going to be the Warner Brothers Discovery package in TNT. And at this point, uh, you know, with with uh, the, the current uh, Disney side of the NBA broadcast equation, they can put the games on ABC. They can put the games on ESPN. They can put the games on ESPN streaming applications. NBC shut down its national NBC Sports channel last year. So there is no national NBC sports channel. They do have the regional sports networks, for example, in Chicago. Uh, they can put the games on the big network if that's what the affiliates want. You know, How would an NBA and NBC deal look like in the mid-2020s? And what's the advantage for the streamers? I mean, just to say that they can, how do they, how do they make all their money back? Yeah, so I, look, NBC uh, Universal obviously brings the NBC television network as well, right? So they're par there, right? Warner Brothers Discovery does not have a broadcast network, right? So already NBC looks more strong in terms of being able to offer a broader reach vehicle via an NBC television network. Um, even with the demise of the NBC uh, sports network, uh, NBC has been very good at um, utilizing their other remaining cable networks, such as USA Network in particular, uh, for all kinds of other stuff, such as uh, Premier League uh, games and Olympic uh, uh, matches and those kinds of things. So um, I think it's probably the strongest hand. Streaming, of course. Peacock uh, probably needs more uh, programming, for sure. Uh, and I think ESPN Plus is obviously already well under, underway. So I think NBC Universal has a really good shot uh, to differentiate themselves in, in this bidding war. Tim Hanlon, founder and CEO of the Verter Group based in Chicago. Thank you for joining us today. Still ahead in Travel Tuesday, more people are venturing out on solo trips, especially women. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Good afternoon. I'm Rob Hart. These are the top stories on News Radio WBBM. The mayor of East Lansing, Michigan, talks about a deadly shooting in Michigan State University. Today also marks the anniversary of a tragic shooting at Northern Illinois University. It's Travel Tuesday. Solo trips are gaining in popularity, including among women. We'll discuss planning an independent adventure. Differences in financial philosophy can create problems for couples. WBBM business. The markets are mixed right now. The Dow is down 114 points. The NASDAQ is up 31. S&P 500 down one. AccuWeather says cloudy today, windy, rather mild. A bit of rain later this afternoon, a high today of 54. It is 54 degrees at O'Hare under cloudy skies at 1231. Topping our news at the half hour, police have identified a gunman who took his own life after killing three students at Michigan State University last night. No motive's been established for the attack by 43-year-old Anthony McCray, which left five other victims wounded, some critically. Denny Martin is the chief medical officer at Sparrow Hospital in Lansing. Uh, four of those individuals did require uh, surgical intervention to treat for their treat their injuries. Uh, one individual uh, did not and was taken to uh, the critical care unit um, after being triaged in the emergency department. Uh, all five individuals remain uh, in critical condition this morning. Ron Bacon is the mayor of East Lansing, home to the school. This Spartan Will thing is real. I want to send out uh, my deepest regrets and remorse to the families that lost children. 
the fear stricken in the children uh, at Michigan State for my children. I'm a dad here in this community is like a playground. The shooting began at an academic building and later moved to the nearby student union. Today marks 15 years since a shooting in Northern Illinois University in DeKalb took the lives of five students. 21 others were wounded when a former student entered a lecture hall and opened fire. An annual moment of reflection will take place outside of Cole Hall at 3.06 this afternoon, the time the shooting began. It's 12.32. The noon business hour continues. Markets are in the red today. Today, we're joined by Nick Raish, CEO of the Earnings Scout in Cleveland, the website EarningScout.com. Nick, thanks for joining us once again. And uh, it's it's pretty obvious why uh, the markets sold off this morning. Uh, they were disappointed by the warmer than expected uh, consumer price index report. But there's a little bit of a recovery. What's driving that recovery today? Well, so the market's been ping-ponging back and forth. Um, I think the market is pleased uh, it has been pleased that inflation is cooling. So the jobs the Fed is doing to curb inflation has been working, and the market's been rising because of that. And then earlier in the year, the market's been pricing in that the Fed will end up cutting interest rates later year, that it's going to have the job completed, and that interest rates will start to get cut. That was pricing that in. Uh, this morning, the little bit hotter than uh, expected inflation read, kind of changing those expectations, and that's why the market's trading down, going, well, maybe the Fed's going to keep rates higher for longer. As it's been saying, the Fed's been clear in saying that it's going to keep rates higher for longer, but the market doesn't believe that. And uh, this morning, it's starting to get some reality that that might be the case. Well, I mean, Fed Chair Jay Powell said last week that the job was uh, nowhere close to done, despite the uh, rather encouraging inflation numbers that we've seen. And it seems the uh, CPI is telling investors, look, uh, Jay Powell is more than just a pretty face. He knows what he's talking about. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right, Rob. That's exactly what's happening. He, uh, the Fed's been pretty clear, really, since June of last year that it wants to win the battle against inflation. The market is just optimistic that it's going to do it sooner than even Jerry Powell expects and that he'll be cutting interest rates uh, very soon. And, and the precedent has been set. He, he did this in 2018 where he raised rates four times, said he was going to raise more in 2019, but turned out he cut rates four times in 2019. So the market may be going off of past precedent from Jay Powell, him saying one thing and then doing another. Um, so the market's been optimistic, but again, that uh, the report this morning kind of pulls a, pours a little cold water on that that hope. And then uh, earnings season continues. A couple of the biggies uh, that have reported so far: Coca Cola and uh, Burger King, uh, both uh, turning in reports that uh, kind of met ex- investors' expectations. Uh, talk about those. Yeah, the, the Coca Cola numbers came in and, and sort of read. Uh, it reinforced what Powell's been saying about disinflation is underway. So we're not seeing any more rapidly rising prices. They are starting to come down. Uh, but the, the Coke numbers overall, just matching expectations, sometimes isn't enough on the street, and it wants more. So stock's down a little bit today. Um, but overall, for earnings season, we're seeing about 72% of the companies in the S&P 500 reported. There is still growth. It's small. It's about 4%. Uh, earning, revenue growth has been about five, but that's cooling, slowing down. Uh, but we are seeing one thing this earnings season. We're seeing a majority of companies beat expe- expectations at 70%, which is good. But the bad thing is that's down from about 79% on average. So we're seeing more companies come up short of expectations this earnings season. 
Uh, and that's a little bit of a concern. Nick Raish, CEO of the Earnings Scout in Cleveland. Thank you for joining us this afternoon. Check him out online at earningscout.com. Coming up next in Travel Tuesday, heading out on a trip as a solo act. Because money matters. This is the WBBM Noon Business Hour. If you're looking to get away on your own, there are a variety of solo trips that you can explore. Let's get some direction from Angie Rice, co-founder of Boutique Travel Advisors based in Scottsdale, the website travelbta.com. Angie, thanks for joining us today. Now, before we talk about some of the uh, solo itineraries uh, you can tackle uh, if you want to do so, uh, what is, is there a stigma about traveling alone? Is it about is it the same about uh, dining alone that like you should be going with somebody, some companion, a friend, a, a significant other, a spouse? I mean, really, there's nothing stopping you from just uh, getting up and going somewhere. Correct. And to answer your question, I'll start very positively by saying I think that stigma is really starting to change. I think that people are revisiting what they enjoy doing. We are overworked. We don't have as much flexibility with our schedules. So we sit back and decide when we take a vacation, how much compromising do we really want to do versus recognizing some of the things that are important to an individual, such as a destination or the things that you can do in that destination, as well as tying in to the extent you like culture versus adventure. And people are recognizing that there's a lot of compromising that happens when you travel with other people versus taking the challenge and learning how to travel more independently. Yeah, you can just get up and go. Uh, you can in- please yourself entirely. Uh, you don't have to worry about compromising with some other member of your traveling party. And if you're the type of person who uh, just likes to chat other people up uh, in in locations uh, around your hometown or around the world, uh, you could actually thrive traveling by yourself. Absolutely. And in talking with our clients and some of the travel that we've done independently as a travel advisor, we oftentimes travel with our suppliers solo or with a few other industry people. And you'll be surprised it tends to be even more social traveling solo versus maybe traveling in a group. But one thing to really recognize the fact is that's where I think sometimes the stigma lies, that it's too social or that you're socializing with some sort of agenda. And I think that's so wrong. It's this notion of meeting like-minded people around the world and friendships and being able to learn from each other. So that's really the stigma I hope that we can overcome as people recognize the benefits of traveling with a little bit more intention, purpose, and aligning what you want to gain out of a travel experience um, individually. And again, you can travel with an individual purpose and easily meet people while traveling or um, maybe put the word out there that you have this trip in mind, whether it's with other social groups or even friends, uh, friends of family, and maybe you do end up traveling with other people, but it's starting that trip with the notion of what is your individual purpose and why you want to take that trip where I think that kind of helps define what solo travel um, may mean to a lot of people. And what are some popular uh, independent itineraries? We find adventure. I think sometimes it goes hand in hand. The independent person tends to be more adventurous. So that may be joining a safari group on your own or backpacking. Padma uh, Canal has a lot of itineraries that involve adventure, or you can go to Patagonia and bike. We also find that cultural and arts 
is another interest for solo travelers. And there's a lot of river cruises that have that theme. So if you're a little intimidated by traveling alone, I actually recommend finding a small expedition cruise or a river cruise in Europe where you will be with other people, but you'll still have that personal agenda. As I say, very quickly, uh, I mean, the the downside of traveling uh, overseas by yourself is that uh, if you do encounter a problem, uh, the the nearest person you can call may be thousands of miles away. So what's your advice to uh, people who are concerned about that particular issue? Correct. Share your itinerary with other people, families and friends. And even when you're going out in the morning or in the afternoon or even in the evening, let your hotel concierge know you know, form that friendship because it is an added element of security. And then if you happen to be traveling solo, but in a group or on a cruise, you're also going to have checkpoints with tour guides and with the ship. So those are just some perfect examples of ways to create peace of mind for those that are going to miss you while you're on your journey and as well as for you to stay safe where you're traveling. Angie Rice, co-founder of Boutique Travel Advisors, the website travelbta.com. Thank you for joining us today and join us at this time tomorrow for Personal Finance Wednesday. And still to come, some couples struggle to build financial common ground. This is the WBBM Noon Business Hour. On this most romantic of days, we're taking a look at something that can be quite divisive finances. Let's talk about it with Tony Orgoric, founder of Orgoric Wealth Management based in Buffalo. Tony, thanks for joining us today. And uh, uh, the noon business hour is nothing if not realistic about the ways in which uh, money can uh, can flail relationships uh, onto the rocks. And we talked about financial infidelity. We talked about uncomfortable conversations that uh, couples should have about money. And now we find that uh, 64% of couples admit to be being financially incompatible with their partners. And what are some ways, Tony, in which couples can be considered financially incompatible? Well, Rob, I think a lot of it comes down to uh, control issues and also a a communication issue. Uh, And fundamentally, oftentimes, it's it's a trust issue. Sometimes people, you know, may not trust their partner in terms of their financial stewardship. So, you know, they want to keep things, uh, they want to keep things separate. Uh, other people may use money as a means of, uh, of, of controlling someone or controlling their behavior. Um, and sometimes if there's an incompatibility in terms of one person being a saver, other being a spender, then uh, somebody tries to hide some of the things they're doing and that gets to be a, a real issue. But, I, you know, I think one of, the, you know, one of the ways people can sort of get a handle on this is to look at what I call money scripts that may have been written when you were a kid. And, you know, the first lessons people received in terms of dealing with money uh, were from their parents. So I think it's instructive to look at, you know, how did your parents handle money? What did you grow up? What kind of values did you grow up with? And I think sometimes that's the difference that causes conflict with people. And really, like it, 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 as I said this yesterday, it seems like uh, the solution to 99.999% of problems, whether it's uh, financial incompatibility incompat- or anything else in life, it's just having an honest conversation with the other person. And it doesn't necessarily have to be accusatory. It doesn't have to be fraught with tension. Uh, it can it can be just in a, in a very relaxed setting, but still you have to have that honest, honest conversation. I agree, Rob, and I'm going to give you a news flash right now. Okay. All right, and here's the flash. 
is that time and money are opposite sides of the same coin. And I think that many times people just look at money and say, if I can buy you this piece of jewelry or I get you this car or this house, whatever else, then that communicates that, you know, I have affection for you. And oftentimes your partner may not be interested in that and may say, really, all I want to do is spend some time with you. I'd like to, I value memories. So, you know, as long as you have that communicative discussion, I think it's really great to talk about what each of you value, and it may not necessarily be what you think. It's funny you mentioned that, Tony, because a conversation that uh, Mrs. Hart and I have uh, quite frequently is, yeah, let's go out and, you know, maybe you can buy some uh, nice shiny thing that you can wear. But I think both of our attitude is at this point with three young kids, if you're going to spend $2,000 on anything, it's a refrigerator. It's a, it's a home repair project. It's something you got to get done. The jewelry will always be there. And, you know, Rob, the thing is, you know, you got three kids, uh, you know, you could be on Survivor. And, you know, oftentimes, oftentimes what your uh, partner's spouse is looking for is just give me a hand. In other words, can you empathize with all the responsibilities, all the stuff I have to do? And if you're, you know, unwilling to spend, you know, any quote unquote quality time with the other four of us, uh, it doesn't matter what you buy them. That is just not going to sit well with people. Tony Orgoric, founder of Orgoric Wealth Management based in Buffalo. Thanks for joining us. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allowed 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months.